Ben Jawalski, what's going on, man? Another day, another week, another podcast. Ready to go. Back in the glorious wide prep studio, I see with the dogs with you. Got the cone of shame on the pup behind you. Back at back at wide prep HQ. Yes, Maddie. Maddie's having having a rough couple uh, weeks, but what, she's what, honestly. She I kind of feel like she likes it though. It's kind of like a thick. I have an inflatable cone of shame on her. And it's basically like having a neck support pillow on an airplane. And there's sometimes where she like she's probably about to fall asleep right now, and her head will be completely up, and she'll just pass out. So I think she likes it. Why is she wearing it? What's going on with Maddie? She's got like a little hot spot on where her tail meets her body, um, and she kind of like just chewed on it and made a really nasty like raw spot that was all bloody. So we don't want her to do that anymore. So it's kind of scabbed over. I'm kind of dying to put a cone of shame on Bean. I just want to see that go down. It's so so funny because when I go to put it on her, like I take it off when she eats and then I put it back on her. She just closes her eyes and tucks her ears back like, okay, this is fine. And I'm sure Bean would just just slash it. When when he was a kitten at Christmas, I bought a, a Santa Claus outfit for him and we put it on him. And it came with a little hat. And first of all, the hat was an absolute no non-negotiable. He was not wearing the hat by any stretch of imagination. But we got the Santa outfit on him. Wow. And he was not happy about it. But he looked cute. He looked, I should find a picture and post it. He looked really cute at the time. He's probably outgrown it 10 times over at this point. He'd, <laughs> he'd make a good Santa now that he's kind of fat. Now that I'm saying yeah, that wow. He's been eating lots of cookies. <laughs> he's been eating lots of something. But yeah, the point is trying to get him in that thing though was like, oh my god, it was like trying to nail Jello to a wall. You know, like cats have a a real <laughs> impressive way of contorting their body and getting out of your hands. Not to mention the razor like, you know, claws. So yeah. Meanwhile, Maddie is just an absolute princess. I could go take it off, put it back on. She'd just be like, "Yes, Daddy, whatever you want." <laughs> anyway, well, hey, let's. Uh, I want to talk about a couple of our sponsors. I had this uh, this funny interaction with Innovate this week. I've called them on a separate project and I was talking to them about them. Okay. I got some ideas for black Friday. And she's like, she looked at me weird and I'm like, what? And she's like black Friday. And I'm like, yeah, the day after Thanksgiving. And it occurred to me they're in England and this Thanksgiving's not a holiday for them. <laughs> yeah. Know? And I'm like, Oh, she's like, Oh, you mean green Friday? And I'm like, whatever you want to call it. Like, I don't know what you guys call it. But it's Black Friday over here. And uh, so we started talking about it and they have this big sale coming up for what they're calling Green Friday, which is obviously, you know, Black Friday for us. But I was wondering what the heck that was. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's uh, kind of a different thing. But the, anyway, they're, um, you know, kind of within those two weeks, they're going to be donating 5% of all sales uh, to the Cumbria Wildlife Trust, which is really cool. So they're, um, they're raising money for the environment. Maybe it's just the best way to put it. That's the cliff note version, which I thought was really cool. You know, so they're going to run a sale over that period. So the Green Friday launch started today, which is November 15th, even though we'll release this tomorrow. And, you know, between now and Green Friday, which is November 26th, um, you know, they're running the sale and it's going to be really cool. So sweet. And we yeah. have a we have a code, too, if people want to get a discount, right? We do have a code, although I've been in there playing with it. It doesn't work for the lifters for whatever that's worth, but it does work for the tennis shoes. And so if you want the 300s or the 260s or the 245s or the 230s, which are all the shoes that I wear. 260s, baby. I love those things. 260s are the best. Code SCALE, S-C-A-L-E. 
Seems to be our code du jour and works great. Saves 10%. And uh, it's good stuff. And they have some new G300s that rumor has it. We have some fresh ones coming in the mail for whatever. Oh, I'm all about that fresh shoe game life. (laughs) I am too. I want to start donating shoes. They've sent me so many. The white, the white. Oh, shoot. I got them here. Look, they're still new in the box. You know, you you know, this is an audio podcast, right? Yeah, I know. But for everyone who's the seven people watching on YouTube, look how fresh these shoes are. They're the white and tan, gray 300s. And I just don't want to wear them because they're so pretty. I wear those all the time. I these love are my those. like these are like my going out shoes. They're so nice. I wear them all the time. I, I funny you say that. I wear the three hundreds out a lot. I wear the two sixties out a lot. Like just out and around with sweats. They're just they're good. Just walking around shoes, and they're great for you know for my kind of pissant CrossFit workouts I've been doing in my basement. So they're great yeah. for walking, like you know walking and just walking. You know, typical old man stuff. Hey, look, I find a lot of the CrossFit shoes to not be good for just walking. <laughs> That's actually really true. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I mean, CrossFit's had this, uh, you know, thing forever. The shoes had to be flat. Like, you know, I still have the original Nano 2s. I'm sure you probably do too. And they're like Converse. They're like super flat. There's no arch support, no heel support. They're just, I don't know, just flat. And they're not great for walking around. I made the mistake of wearing those things at Disney World one year. And i Paid for it about an hour in. I was like, this was a poor shoe choice, <laughs> to say the least. But no, it may come to the 300s are so comfy, and all the other ones are too. I do, I rotate. Yeah. Get my shoe, get my feet something different every day, but I rotate. Well, I will say our other sponsor saved my bacon again today. Um, you can. So I, dude, I had a miserable night last night, like absolutely miserable. For whatever reason, I just, I did not feel good and I couldn't sleep. And I was, kind of tossed and turned all night. And so, and, but I had to go to work today because, you know, bills to pay and I'm not making millions on this podcast. So I just don't go to work when I don't want to go to work. Yeah. It's nice owning your own business, isn't it? Well, those of us that work for the man have to get up and go. And uh, so I took a UCAM bar with me, Uh, you know, and that seems to be like kind of my Monday trick. And for me, it's a big deal because like, I don't want that the crash that comes after a bunch of sugar and, and, um, you know, like kind of fast carbs and it's great. It just like, it's just smooth, dude. There's no like big spike. It's just a like kind of even, uh, even level and it got me through that, you know, kind of 8 AM to noon period when I knew I wasn't going to be able to eat. I'm like stuck on a conference call. And for those of you that work in an office job like me, you know, what conference calls are like, they suck. And uh, it got me through. It was good stuff, man. I'm I'm loving those bars. They are lifesavers. Well, I've been smashing the energy powder. That's, that's my what, my my mountain biking pre carb fuel source. Wait, which powder are you doing? Um, it's literally called energy powder. I mean, what's the flavor? Which one? Orange. Oh, that's so what yeah. they sent me. Yeah, that's what I like. I like but the cran raz. I mean, the other ones look delicious, but they just sent me the orange, and I mix it with my. Sometimes I mix it with my fruity pebbles protein that I have that I think, I don't know what brand it is, but I, I mix it with delicious protein and it's carbs and, and delicious protein. And I throw some caffeine in there, but I, I like it. It's a great. How do you pronounce it again? What? The flavor. Orange. 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 
Uh, are you from Mississippi? Like what? I don't I'm know from what Maryland. Ac- I don't know what that accent is. Orange. Well, if you guys want to try orange. the orange, you want to try the orange. <laughs> you can use our code scale. S-C-A-L-E, or scale as Ben would probably call it. <laughs> and you'll save 20%, which is actually a really, really good deal. Um, and I'm loving this stuff. I don't use those little squeezies during the little squeezy packs. I don't know if you've been using those, but I don't use those during the day anymore. Those are like kind of long workout only for me. Like when I have to digest quick. Yeah. Um, but the one you, the one you're mentioned is basically the same thing. You just have to mix it yourself. Yeah. So, good stuff. Well, I'm glad you like it. The orange. <laughs> Man, I just learned to pronounce your name. Now I have like a whole new pronunciation for uh, <laughs> a flavor, a fruit, and a color. I, don't so I heard the, you. I heard you actually have a topic for us to discuss today. Is that true? I maybe. I don't know, dude. I don't know. It's been a mess of a week for me. I've been doing a lot of scaled workouts in my basement. Like, it's just, uh, I'm a mess. I'm absolutely a mess. I'm still wrecked from your. Wide prep open. I think crushed me, dude. Good. <laughs> I'm not sure it's good. I'm not sure it's good. All right. Well, yeah, I've got, we've got some questions from listeners. So how about that? So, so let's, let's talk about them. And they're actually, I'm not even sure these are all listeners because some of them came off the meme page. So I just, I shot a Q and a out there and was like, Hey, give us some ideas. And you have uh, a meme page. Yeah, I know. It's shocking. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, I have to look it up. All right. We'll start. Let's start with, um, Let's start with probably, I think, the one that hits all of us. Let's see. Where is it here? It is. Uh, this is from Shell Dog the Wizard. Thank Shell you, Shell Dog the Wiz. Shell Dog. Shell Dog the Wizard. New CrossFitter here. What are some classic mistakes for a beginner to avoid? And I've heard mm. a lot of mistakes. I make a lot. I have one in my mind that I think is the most classic mistake, but I'm dying to hear what yours is. Well, obviously, like all other answers, we have a very extensive wad prep video covering <laughs> top. I think it's literally on, on YouTube. It's top beginner CrossFit mistakes to avoid or something like that. And my, my, the thumbnail is me with like the uh, home alone, you know, like shocking face, you know, I'm like, well, <gasps> well, then what's the number one? What was your number one thing on that video? I can't remember. Um, Spoilers. Here we go. But I will say off the top of my head, there's one thing that I think a lot of beginners uh, don't do that they should is uh, they need to buy their own jump rope. A lot of people will come to the gym and use a different jump rope every single time that double unders or single unders are programmed. And that the analogy I use there is like, you're, it's like you're learning how to drive a car, but every time you go, you're driving a different car. Like how awkward would it be if you're trying to learn how to drive and you start with a race car and then you drive a minivan and then a giant semi truck like it just wouldn't make sense so buy buy a nice beginner jump rope for yourself and then use that and you'll get used to that specific tool rather than always changing ropes every single time you try to practice because i think that's kind of like shooting yourself in the foot that is one of several beginner mistakes but that's a really common one because a lot of people get into it and they're like eh, like i don't need my own rope yet like that's for those are for people who take it really seriously. And it's like, all right, you can buy a jump rope for 30 bucks, 40 bucks and get a great rope. So might as well get a, get a real rope. So that's one we'll switch off. 
I'll let how, you go now. How did you do a whole car analogy and not talk about that 90 mile range Fiat electric Fiat you had in Texas? I don't know. You're talking about, I blocked mm-hmm. that out of my memory. Yeah. And now that you're back in your plush little Tesla. Yeah. Now I have no battery issues. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, I think the number one issue that new CrossFitters make is they get into the mindset that more is better. Ooh, yes. Overtraining. And it, and it's actually more than just overtraining. You know, so I was reading this thing last night. Everybody's, have you seen this hard 75 thing everyone's doing? Oh, yeah. That a lot of people are doing. And I'm not bad. This is not me bashing it because I don't know enough about it to bash it. But I've read I read about it and, you know, sat there and kind of skimmed the details. And I'll give I know I'm going to get blown up in the because I'm going to miss some stuff. And people will yell at me for not talking about the program. Properly, First form is going to send you a cease and desist. So. <laughs> no, no, because I'm going to say, in my opinion, in my opinion, <laughs> in my opinion, <laughs> yes. Uh, this is what I got from it, which was, you know, you're training twice a day for 45 minutes. One of those training has to be outside. No one seems to know why that is, but okay. And you have to follow a diet. They don't even tell you what diet you just have to follow a diet. Right. I, which again, seafood diet. Yeah. Which I think is weird, but like kind of the gist of it is, is you're training 75 days in a row. Correct. That's the gist, right? You're training 75 days in a row, two times a day. Yeah. And more is not better. Like I would actually go the opposite and say less is better, but specific counts. And what I mean by that is it's like three to four days for the first few months while you get used to the routine, the movements, perfecting skills is important and focusing on skill work and God forbid mobility in those first few months, I think is really critical to set yourself up for what the future is going to look like and building yourself up to, you know, having a big enough base to train five days a week. Like I, I mean, full disclosure, I train six days a week, typically, typically, and you know, in some form, but I've been doing this for 10 years and I've built Mm -hmm. up a base in the early years. I couldn't do that. I would not even close. And I really think five days, you know, of intense training is probably too much. So I would say less is better, be more specific. You should scale more workouts as we're talking about here Mm -hmm. and, you know, focus on technique and mobility and you'll be better off. And, and, don't get caught into this mentality of I'm going to cram for this and make up for all the years I didn't train by doing two a days, like, you know, and, and don't fall into the trap of doing, you know, things like hard 75 and which may be a great program if you have a big, deep base of fitness, but when you're brand new to fitness, doing 75 I mean, days the, with no rest days is the premise. The premise of it is simply to try to basically they want people to, the, the premise is not for like, Oh, this is for, elite athletes to get better, or this is for CrossFitters to get better CrossFit skills. The whole premise of it, based on my understanding, is that like people are freaking soft in the world and they need to toughen up. Here's a challenge that's freaking hard. And by the end of 75 days, you're going to look and feel like a different human being. And you're going to have a much tougher, harder mental psyche from that angle. I'm, you know, I'm okay with it. it. Is it the the best route for people? Whatever. Maybe, maybe not join a CrossFit gym instead (laughs) because I like the, I I like the like 75 days of, um, of excellence is not as valuable as 10 years of three days a week of training. Um, so I would much rather err on the side of longevity rather than like challenges, but the, the mental psyche behind like, you know, like I'm going to crush it for the next 60 days or 75 days. In this case, there's something that 
is motivating to human beings to have like a defined start and end when really what we need is just more people working out three times a week consistently for 30 minutes, you know, like that would change the world, but, but that's not sexy. So you can't make a cool challenge. Like if I made the, if I made the three X 10 year, 30 minute hard challenge or like moderately difficult challenge, I wouldn't have many people sign up. Well, look, 75 I, days of two days, two a days sounds better. There have been plenty of programs, you know, P90X being probably the most famous of giving like yeah. a specific time frame of days that you're going to do something and, you know, counting down toward that. But even P90X built in a rest day. Like for me, it's like no rest days, two day, two workouts a day. Now, granted, it's only an hour and a half of working out, which isn't an insignificant amount, but it's also not like, not like you're the rock putting in four hours of work at 9 p.m. You know what I mean? It's like... You know, you can, I think you could balance it out, but no rest days for me. I don't know, man, in my opinion, it's potentially a toxic, a toxic thing to promote to, I don't think CrossFitters need it. Um, So I would definitely agree with point number two being overtraining is a common trap. The beginner CrossFitters fall into where they think more is more when in reality, having a little bit more focus is more. And that brings me to my next CrossFit beginner mistake, which I know is in that video, which is don't cherry pick workouts because oftentimes the same people who are trying to do more and more and more are tending to focus on strengths and strengths and strengths. I, I remember I was there. I would deadlift and do bar muscle ups every single day of every work. Like if I had a choice to write the workout that I was going to do for the day, it was deadlifts and bar muscle ups. Like that's what I did in college. What did I ignore for a very long time? Uh, the running workouts, the workouts with burpees, the workouts with, you know, heavy snatches back when I used to not like those. And it's like the more you cherry pick, especially in the beginner days, the more you will just like further exacerbate these holes in your fitness. So I really am a huge fan of just not looking at the workout until you get there and then using some of the guidelines that like we've given you on the podcast or hopefully you have a good coach to scale and or bail at the time of the actual wad, but don't allow yourself to be like, man, I don't like tomorrow's workout. I'm just not going to show up because just developing that, like creating the muscle of I will show up and I will do it consistently is a, a very fine line between like way, way, way over training or, and, or cherry picking, which I do think are both beginner mistakes. I think that's a good point. Uh, my last one then would that I think is a big mistake for people is they think they can out train a crappy diet. Ooh. And Reach. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, and it's easy to do. And, and some people do for the record in the first couple of months, they get some quick results because they haven't been working out and they're like, Oh, I need whatever I want now. And then they quickly find that they can't, what they're also missing is that, you know, your body performs better with better nutrition. You know, so if you're slamming pizzas and beer after the workout, it's possible you could still lose weight and be getting more fit because you had such a bad base of fitness before that your body's responding to the workouts, but you would certainly respond better and your workouts would be better. And, you know, you're going to reduce injury and, you know, a lot of bad things happening by focusing on nutrition. And to be honest, like when I first started, I didn't focus on nutrition at all. And I really regret that. And then when I started taking it more seriously and started really recognizing what it was doing in the workouts, then I got real serious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say serious, I, you know, I don't mean like I've changed my whole life. You know, I still, I love my life. I, you know, I uh, eat pizza with the best of them, but 
but I do think you have to be more cognizant of what you're fueling your body with before these workouts. And, and, um, you know, I tie with that rest. We've talked about that quite a bit and I mentioned it with the hard 75 thing. I just think, you know, we don't, we don't give enough early on, you know, I didn't give enough credence to rest and proper nutrition Mm -hmm. and it slowed down. Like, I think I gave up three years of building a good base. Like I was mm-hmm. building a base, but I think I would have built it faster and been more efficient and better now had I taken it more seriously early on. Did I ever tell you the story of when Christmas Abbott, my original CrossFit coach, asked me to submit a nutrition log for her? <laughs> no. So back in the day, this was 2008, 2007. I got invited to train at CrossFit at Raleigh CrossFit. And I started like interning as a coach and like, I could barely afford a membership. So I would like pay for one month then save up for two months, pay for another month, save up for two months, so on and so forth. Anyway, so Christmas, eventually they kind of broke up and then, and then started a couple different gyms, one of which was CrossFit Invoke. She invited me to be on the competition team and like be in the pipeline to eventually coach. She asked me one day to submit a week's worth of nutrition, a food log. And I had this, I forget what the main log was back in the day, but there was like this really popular journal that was like a workout slash nutrition log book. And I totally forget what it was called, but I had one and I filled it out and I just filled it out to the T and submitted it. And I remember when she read through it and she like, had the, it was like slow motion where she just looked at me and she's like, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I distinctly remember like her opening up to one of these pages and being like, Ben, and I quote for breakfast, two pints, Ben and Jerry's noon CrossFit workout, three cinnamon sticks. What's a cinnamon stick? They were like churros, delicious. Yeah, I don't have a problem with this diet so far. It sounds good. And then for dinner, it was like it was like three eggs and five string cheese, (laughs) some shit like that. Sounds was was this paleo? This sounds paleo. And then like the next day, it would be like it'd be like half box of cinnamon toast crunch, whole milk, you know, like some shit like that. We're literally Christmas is just looking at me. I remember she like. She took notes on all of it. After like three days, she just stopped taking notes and just like, and just gave it back to me. Like she like went through it, took like a couple diligent notes, like the first two days. Cause I think the first two days are like kind of tried to sort of make it look like I ate healthy, but then habits kicked in. And then I actually submitted what I ate, which is how most nutrition logging works. Right. And then by like the day four or five, she's just like, I'm done with this. Like, this is the most atrocious thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Uh, and we had a long talk about nutrition, but the, but to, your case in point is every single day that week, I would PR something and like pine and Ben and Jerry's new friend PR, you know, half a box of cinnamon toast crunch, um, you know, some hero workout PR. So you can't, especially early on beginners, especially if they're younger, they'll, they'll equate this whole, like I'm making progress and I can eat whatever I want. Eventually there's, there's a, a point where that no longer uh, works. And the sooner you realize that, and the sooner you're like, wait a minute, imagine the superpowers I'll have. If I have a good diet that focuses on my macronutrients and and also my caloric balance and making sure that I'm trying to eat for my goals, 
and working out consistently, wow, the progress you'll have is amazing. Um, so yeah, well, that's a good one. Here's what did it for me. So I'd been, um, I was going to this gym I was going to at the time. It was relatively small, not a lot of members, but there were a lot of members in and around my age, kind of, you know, at the time, mid forties. And it, these guys are all former high school athletes. So they all had like some sort of base of fitness. I had none and they would just crush me workout after workout after workout. So, you know, this is early days of CrossFit. So I decided like everyone else, I was going to go paleo. Now I'm not a huge proponent of paleo. You know, I'm not against it, but you know, I don't think it's the best diet for uh, maintaining some of the hard stuff we do in CrossFit, but what it is really good at and I've talked to several nutritionists about this is that it, it's all the low hanging fruit of nutrition, meaning you get all processed food out of your diet, mm-hmm. right? So I'm, I'm eating sweet potatoes and lean meats and vegetables, right? And nuts and seeds. That's the gist of it. So you kind of get all that processed food and all the crap out, you know, yeah. you have like a, you know, they call it the, the paleo flu. You have a couple of weeks, you know, kind of like keto where you just feel lethargic all the time because your body's adapting to this. And then one day it just kicked in for me. Like after eating this way for about three weeks, all of a sudden I went in and I want to work out and I didn't win any workouts against these guys. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. all right, maybe this is what happens when your body starts getting real food in it on a kind of a consistent long-term basis, you know? And that's when I was convinced that, you know, diet made a lot of sense. And look, there's so many good programs out there. I'm not going to push one over the other. You know, I, I'm just, I'm personally a proponent of just eat whole foods, you know? Yeah. Long story short, it, um, it can work. Uh, it's certainly that level of strictness is unnecessary for most people's goals, but, uh, sometimes having, uh, just like 75 hard, right? Like sometimes having drastic, quote unquote rules in place that you don't break is like the only way for you not to break them. Cause like true flexible dieting where it's like, Oh yeah, you can like, you can have a piece of cake. You can have some ice cream as long as it's in moderation. It's, it's so not sexy and it doesn't draw that hard line in your brain where you're like, no, I will not even eat salted almonds, unsalted (laughs) almonds only because I'm paleo. Sometimes having that hard line is the only way people can trick themselves into adherence. Uh, but the, the moral of the story is, uh, yes, of course, we have a wad prep video about this on YouTube and it goes over the proper diets for CrossFit, AKA eat for your goals. Um, yeah, this is, this is really good. I think that's a, a, a really good, um, really good tip. I'd say if I had to like wrap up this point with one more, so what have we covered so far? Just for review, the number one was, um, well, jump said, rope, buy you your would, own freaking jump rope. Yeah. Buy your own gear. Um, number two was overtraining. Yep. Don't overtrain. Number three was cherry picking workouts. Yep. Number four was paying attention to your nutrition. Yep. Let's do this. We're going to make it five tips. Um, oh man, but that would make it uneven. I don't know. What do you have another one? I I included rest and with nutrition. So technically the fifth is get some sleep, man. Okay. Get some sleep. Very, very important. That's that's one that's actually on our YouTube most recently because we're releasing yep. an entire course about how to oh recover. Oh my God, Jesus Christ. You got a video for everything, bro. I do have a video for everything. Um, the last thing that I would say is you win between your ears. And I think a lot of people don't understand that 
for us to make progress in CrossFit in like in acquiring skills and things like that, a lot of work needs to be done mentally just as much as physically. Like we talk about nutrition and rest and, but like, if you don't have the proper headspace um, and the patience and the confidence and the, you know, the, the Mamba mentality, so to speak um, in the middle of a workout, like you're unwilling to suffer at the sake of your, for the sake of your own workout. Like if you don't have that mental strength, then you're, it's kind of like pushing a, a, a boulder uphill. Um, so I'd say pay attention more to your mental self-talk in the middle of a workout, because a lot of times like this whole, I know obviously yeah, the meme page, uh, which I just found out today that you had, Go figure. um, a, a lot of your memes, right. They talk about kind of that mental dialogue that people have in the middle of workouts where it's just like, you know, misery, they hate this. Why, why am I paying someone for this? But it's so funny. It's like the more negative self-talk you give yourself, chances are the, your ability in the middle of a workout, especially in some sort of competition or anything like that is going to be diminished. But if you can flip the script and you're like, you're confident, you're excited, you know, the assault bike shows up and, and you have the mental fortitude to be like, I get to do this rather than, Ooh, I hate my coach and I never want to do this ever again. Like when you can start switching the mental dialogue that you're having with yourself, um, you're, you're going to probably make a lot of progress and, and really surprise yourself because the, body is way more capable than you might expect. And the, where, where you start winning that is between your ears. I think it's really hard to ever say, I can't wait to get on the assault bike. Or, <laughs> I knew you were gonna love yeah, that one. But no, I'm serious. And it's hard to create this mental mind space. In some cases, you're never going to be able to, I would encourage people to journal what the workout felt like, especially if you're new, mm-hmm. because you're learning what this pain feels like. And so it's important to know when you come back around to that, what it's going to feel like going in, because then you can change your mindset going into it. I think often people do a workout and they're like, well, that was terrible. I'm never doing that again, as opposed to looking at it as an experience. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, it was terrible. Most workouts I do feel terrible. I mean, they're not designed to make you feel like a million bucks. You're breaking, you're li- quite literally tearing down muscle and rebuilding it. That's the whole point of the workout It's supposed to feel terrible, mm-hmm. but understanding what it's going to feel like, I think is really important. And so, you know, early on that first year, I literally journaled every workout I did. I can go back now and look at some of these workouts. And it's really funny to read my own notes because I don't know if you know this, Ben, but I'm hilarious and, <laughs> and reading those notes, uh, is, is really useful information to go back and go, okay, that's what that felt like then. Now I'll go back and do it again, six months later or a year later and journal those same notes. And did it feel the same way? And you'll very likely see progress. And then that's where the mental mind shift for me started to take place when I could look back and say, man, I beat that time or, or that didn't feel as, you know, Fran didn't feel like it was going to kill me the second time. Mm-hmm. you know, or, or whatever, or Murph is a good one where I had, you know, kind of multiple notes over a two to three year period. And I could look at it and visibly see the progress and know what I was getting into before I started. And it, it yeah. really starts to change. And then I think what people find over time is nothing seems impossible. And you start yeah. doing things that you never would have attempted before because you're like, okay, well, I survived that workout. So that doesn't look so scary. I'll just go do this now, <laughs> you know, and, and it, it really does change your mindset and, and 
in most things in life, not just your workouts. So absolutely. Yeah. So it's one of the most powerful aspects. I love that. It's good advice. Yeah. Do you have a video on journaling at all? Um, I probably do. Okay. If you don't, I, to... I want writer's credit. Everybody heard it. I want my, uh... Hey, one, one thing I have been doing every single day is, uh, this is just a random little nugget for everyone is, uh, recently I have every morning when I wake up, I drink my 32 ounces of water and I do a gratitude journal. And all it is, is I literally open a note on my app. It's called morning gratitude. It's just in my, um, in my notes app on, uh, on my iPhone. And I just write the day. I write how many estimated days of existence I have left. I think I'm at like 18,400 days left or something like that. So it's like, I always reduce that number by one. And then I write what day it is. And one thing that I'm grateful for. Um, and it's, it's been really cool because I've noticed myself just in practicing writing one sentence on something that I'm grateful for. I've noticed myself already become a more grateful person where like, I'm noticing things that I'm grateful for because now I've like trained my body to be on the lookout for, ah, I want to make sure I write about this tomorrow. So it's just been a cool thing. It takes me like probably less than 30 seconds every morning. It helps me remember that I am going to die someday. So I have a limited amount of days left on this earth. And two, what am I thankful for? Really good thing. Highly recommend it. I've been doing it for like a little over a month now and I don't see stopping. You're going to get some crazy girlfriend and go in there one day and like, well, I guess I need to reduce this by 10,000 days because I'm not going to outlive <laughs> this. I'm not going to outlive this relationship. I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to, right now it's at 8,246. I'm just going to be like, man, let's take 10K off the top. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you get tired of talking about how grateful you are for me when you're journaling to get old? Oh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, there's an entire separate one that's like things I'm grateful about for John. And today I'm going to write, I had no idea you were funny and I had no idea you ran a meme page. So I'm going to use those for the next two days. Well, I'm glad you learned something. I think it's important. All right. Next question. This one, <laughs> I love these names so much. I don't, I really am dying to know what goes into people's minds when they create these uh, usernames. This is from Edgar Mornob. Maybe this is maybe his last name is Mornob, and I'm we're making fun of it for no reason. But it's Edgar Mornob. Nob. Please tell me his last name is Mornob. There's no, <laughs> there's no K, so it's all. I'm assuming it's all one word. Edgar it's probably Mornob. actually his last name, and we are going to get canceled. I watched Dave Chappelle stand up last night, so we're not going to get canceled more than him. Yeah, but keep going. Well, the episode's still young, Ben. All right. <laughs> Uh, what do you do when you hit a plateau in CrossFit or training mm. from Edgar Mornob? <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. So right away, there's, there's a whole bunch of different angles to attack this one, but a plateau in training is kind of vague. Um, let's take some creative liberties and say, Let's use like weightlifting PRs as an example. So for whatever reason, um, Edgar Mornob. Yes, Mornob. Okay, Mr. Mornob has plateaued his uh, weightlifting totals. Like he's no, he doesn't feel like he's getting any stronger. And again, this is just so we have some yeah. concrete examples. What I would suggest for him to do is look at things from a bird's eye view always starting with the end in mind. What is your goal? Like, is, is the goal simply to 
be adequately fit to live a longer, happier life? In which case, does it matter if you're getting stronger all the time? No. As we age, like John, I know you've talked about this multiple times. Like you're like, you know, you're not going to necessarily beat your lifetime PRs anymore as you get older and older and older and, you know, slowly, but surely just get farther and farther over the hill, almost to where you're far, <laughs> falling Oof. off the backside, you know? Hold on. I've got to get my Kleenex. Man, I didn't realize this was going to be such an emotional episode. <laughs> no. Man. So I think it really, it comes down to what, what is your goal? If your goal is to get stronger and you have identified like, I want to get as strong as possible. And I don't think that I've reached my peak there. Then I would reanalyze and see if there's any way that you could add in some accessory work to help you achieve those specific goals. Because a lot of times, um, like if we use engine as an example, or even let's just keep with the weightlifting totals. Um, when I was slamming pints, two pints of Ben and Jerry's for breakfast and eating cinnamon sticks, I was still seeing weightlifting PRs simply because I had a huge gap between my current abilities and like my strength. So as my technique got better, I just kind of filled that up. But once I kind of reached the limit of my technique and my strength, I then had to focus more attention and more time on becoming stronger and becoming more tech, you know, technique proficient. So a normal CrossFit class where let's say we go in and, and do 15 minutes of warm up and then hit a Metcon that's 20 minutes, maybe have a little strength session beforehand. There, there was a point where for me to reach my goals as an athlete, I needed to add in a little bit of extra. So I needed to add in a little extra weightlifting practice or, you know, back in the day, it was more gymnastic stuff. I was kind of adding as a cherry on top that that can be a way to help you break through plateaus. You might've reached the potential of, of your current programming and current schedule. There also could be a lot of other factors, but that's just one thing to potentially look at where it's like, what can I do? Again, more is not more, but what can I do that maybe my current program might be lacking in simply because it doesn't have hours and hours and hours to dedicate on my weightlifting? How can I maybe go hire a coach or how can I um, add in two sessions of weightlifting practice for 20 minutes each before class two times a week? Like little things like that can make a huge difference. If you just add in a little bit more of that technique work or depending on what you've plateaued in specifically, just add a little bit more into your schedule, not a ton more in your schedule. And I think that's where there's kind of like that fine line between you, you don't want to overtrain, but you also need to focus your training efforts on the specific goals that you have. Yeah. There's so many, so many, what ifs in the questions there it's are hard to, to, give a really direct answer, but if I had to give one, it would be have someone different look at my programming. So not the person doing my programming. Uh, and you might need to change that. Meaning I know we always say that CrossFit gyms are constantly varied, but the reality is, is a lot of coaches get, they run things in cycles and they get caught in ruts as they're programming. So like, you know, I've been in gyms for years where we did rope climbs every single Wednesday, you know, we did that because they were closed on Thursday and they wanted to clean the floors going into that closed day. <laughs> right. Genius. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's the way gyms work, you know, and every Saturday's a partner workout and it's going to be heavy on cardio because there's only so many, so much gear, you know? So there are things that kind of run in cycles in gyms. And so you might look at your programming and determine, you know, is there something in that that you need to change for the short term? You might, if this is a CrossFit problem, maybe leave CrossFit for six months and go do something else, 
and come back to it. Like it, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, picking another sport for a while and, and working on that. Um, you know, those would be two suggestions. I know I mentioned it kind of on the other, but you know, again, I, I think you have to look at nutrition maybe as something that's causing a plateau, you know, and to your first point, Ben, I think most importantly, you have to decide how important is it to you? Like, what are you, what are your end goals? Are you a competitor or do you just want longevity? Um, and if, if it's the latter, you know, I would tell you what I've done uh, over the number of years is I found other goals for me to reach to, whether it's a half marathon or, you know, a 10 K or, you know, I did tough, I've done tough mutters and Spartan races and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are other things you can do outside of the gym to make you not necessarily worry about, Oh my God, my, you know, snatches at this weight. And I'd like to gain five more pounds to that lift, but I haven't gained five pounds for the last year, you know, um, that can just bring you that same level of satisfaction. So, yeah. Another uh, thing I was actually thinking about, um, there for a second was one thing that worked for me specifically for, let's say weightlifting. I know I threw that in as an example was I went to a couple specialty seminars and a lot of times pulling yourself out of the current environment that you're in. I didn't leave my gym. I kept doing my normal schedule, my normal programming with, you know, going to classes. But all I did was I like one Saturday went to a, I think it was a CrossFit Wilmington weightlifting seminar. And I remember Tony teaching me something about my snatch that I had never heard and voila, hit a huge, you know, PR. And it was just, so sometimes all you need is maybe just a different angle. Just like you said, have someone else look at the programming, or it could be as simple as like, just go to a specialty seminar. Like if you want to get better weightlifting, go to a weightlifting seminar run by an actual weightlifter, and they might teach you some things that your, your coach has never taught you. Um, seminars can be a really great tool to help you like kind of almost make that quantum leap. Um, if you're not able to facilitate that, like in your normal environment. Well, the reality is, is most CrossFit gyms aren't equipped to give you specialty. Sure. There's not like, and that's, I mean that with all due respect to CrossFit, I love what yeah. CrossFit does. And I don't, don't really have any complaints with level one, level two, any of those. Um, but I've always been fortunate to, you know, be around coaches that were specialty coaches. Mm-hmm. And that include like my f- very first gym I went to, and you can keep in mind, like I was a bigger idiot than I am now, which is hard to believe, but no our, we had an actual Olympic lifting coach who taught someone on the Olympic weightlifting team. Like he was a real coach, you know? And, uh, but I know most CrossFit gyms aren't that way. And, and you don't get that individualized attention that can really break down your lifts. And, um, so to your point, if it's a lifting problem, you know, there are weightlifting courses everywhere, Yeah, uh, at least most big cities where you can really get some, you know, some really good tips and can help. So, yeah. And you can hire a coach. Like if you don't have a, you can hire a remote coach for a, for a, three month engagement and probably see a ton of progress. Like there are so many options. Bottom line is don't get, don't be sad that you're not seeing the progress that you want. Just get really clear on your goal and then be like, give approach it as if you're giving someone else the advice. And then all of a sudden that usually the, the advice is very clear. You know, if I was telling myself the advice, I'd be like, Oh, try to go get a coach and spend a little bit of money and have someone write some remote programming for you for a bit. It, a lot of times just giving advice to other people is a great way to be like, Oh yeah, I should probably listen to this. Yep. Agreed. All right. Last question from a very normally named Brandy. Are you sure it's not Seymour butts? No, 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 no. Just Brandy. Brandy. Okay. Brandy. 
with a Y, not even with an I. It's not even basic brandy. It's just normal brandy. Not an IE. Are you sure? I'm positive. It's just a good old fashioned traditional with a Y. Okay. Uh, Obviously going to be a boring question. (laughs) Question. I love that name. Question for the podcast. I'm very close to getting a muscle up. I can chicken wing one one arm up, uh, but not completing the rep. Or I can use the lightest band for assistance. Everyone tells me I haven't gotten one because it's quote unquote in my head. Is that the real reason to not have a muscle up? Or is that their way of telling me they don't know what to break down what is happening? Ooh. Which I which I love. She's saying, do they really know or they just not know what's happening? And they don't want to own up to it. I love it. <laughs> That's the best. Oh. Man, there are so, uh, so much to unpack there. Um, I, I It sounds like she can do it with a light band is what I'm gathering maybe yeah. with the chicken wing. So, so it sounds like she can do it with the light band and she can get up, she can get one arm up chicken winged up, but she can't get over the bar. Yeah. So she can do it with assistance, but she can't yeah. do it otherwise. Um, there's a lot of things, a lot of various cues and techniques that could really work for her. Um, and of course we have videos on all of, of course them, you do, as yeah. you know, Um, But it's one of my favorite things to teach is the muscle up, specifically bar muscle up. The easiest answer, and I'm going to, it's the broadest answer for a lot of people is bump up your prerequisites a little bit. Meaning right now, if you can do, let's say seven strict pull-ups and four chest to bar pull-ups, if you can bump those numbers up to like 10 and six or 10 and five, then the, your propensity to get a bar muscle up is going to go through the roof. So if you can increase your strict strength and then increase your like kipping pull-up power to do chest-to-bar pull-ups, um, which naturally the trickle-down effect will cause your bar muscle up to get your bar muscle up game to get a lot easier. Like it's so funny in the beginning, I did a bar muscle up seminar um, not too long ago. And in the beginning, I just asked people, how many bar muscle ups can you do? And how many strict pull-ups can you do? And there was a direct correlation, shockingly, between the amount of strict pull-ups someone could do and the whether or not they could do a bar muscle up. And I actually went through and circled. There was a couple guys there that and a girl who could do like 12 strict pull-ups, zero bar muscle ups. And I just circled their name and I was like, I bet a hundred bucks I can get them their first muscle up today because they just they have more strength than is required to do this. So if they're a halfway decent listener, they're gonna get it. And sure enough, they did. So the easiest, like the lowest hanging fruit, even with zero coaching, is just get a little bit stronger and get a little bit more efficient at your kip. If you do those two things, then what you've already built with your bar muscle up will naturally turn into, rather than just getting a chicken wing and not being able to transition, a little bit of that extra strength, you'll get a little bit more elevation, boom, you'll be able to get it. So that's like the very first thing is get a little stronger. The the second thing and then I'll turn it over to you John um is I like that you're practicing with the band I do not want you to learn the bar muscle up with a chicken wing so if that's already your default mode of trying to get over the bar I would rather you wait and do it right than force it and try to do it with a chicken wing so again I would if I were working with you on one of my seminars I'd bring you back to a band I'd find a band where you have zero chicken wing at all and then we work from there. We practice a couple floor drills. We practice doing transitions. I give you all kinds of cues to help you um, throw your head over the bar a little bit more aggressively. We probably have lots to work on from an efficiency standpoint of the kip, but it all 
comes back to make sure that we're practicing with good form. So even when you're doing your banded muscle ups, do not allow yourself to chicken wing because I promise you it's a bad habit. That's very hard to get out of. So don't allow yourself to practice even with a chicken wing. And then secondarily try to bump up the strength numbers, both from a strict pull-up and a kipping chest bar pull-up perspective, do those two things and you will be well on the way. Oh, oh no, by the way, watch all of my videos and buy my course about bar muscle ups, but, but I won't mention that here. Well, as much as I hate to blow your head up every time we've been out in public and, you know, at least around CrossFitters, inevitably somebody comes up to me in front of you or to you in front of me and goes, Oh my God, you got me your first, my first muscle up. And I hate seeing you get recognition, but I hate to give you, you know, I've got to give you props here. That's, you know, apparently something you're really good at. <laughs> well, apparently you're pretty good at making memes too, Mary. Yeah, so maybe lots of love being thrown around in this episode. I know, even though you called me really old. Um, not but, really old, just a good amount. Of um, yeah, I'm a good amount old. I have few, I don't have 18,000 days left. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I fully agree on the strict strength part. I mean, I agree on everything you said, but the strict strength thing, I think is a no brainer. Like if you can, you can bump up those rookie numbers, bump those numbers up, rookie numbers, um, <laughs> you're going to be far closer to getting one. And that chicken wing thing is, uh, dangerous. I mean, there's just no better way to say it. You know, best way to blow your shoulder out, keep chicken wing in for a while. So you got to build strict strength up. Uh, for me, when I got mine, it was all about timing. I mean, for mm. and so there were a couple of things that had to happen. You know, the first one was really working on what that kip feels like because the kip is different than like kipping pull up. It's it's more aggressive. Or this, again, this is for me, but it it is more aggressive because you got to get over the bar. And I think the fear for most CrossFitters is how do I get over that bar? Like how do I pull my entire body up and over? And I think you have to get that out of your head. You're not really pulling your body over the bar, you're pulling the bar to you. Mm. And, and the thing that they told me, or that really made sense is that when you get the bar to where you want it to be, which is below your rib cage, you know, you want to be able to bend over it. You're going to do a really violent sit up, right. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to see your feet to do that. And so for me, it was like, once I caught the cue of working on that kip, and this is hard to describe audio wise, but I'm working on the kip to where at some point, your feet are almost vertical, right? And once I would see my feet, I would basically throw my head to my toes. Yeah. And that's, and that set up over the bar would allow me to pull up and over. And so you you almost can't chicken wing when you're doing it properly. Like you have to bring both over in order for it to work. Otherwise you're going to hit really hard and it hurts. <laughs> I mean, I'm not yes. going to lie. It's like, I'd rather get hit with the double under on the backs of my legs that's all day long than you get hit that way. Yeah, that's a really good point too. A lot of people think that in order to get the bar muscle up, they need to transition their elbows over the bar and then the body will follow. Um, and that's not the way most people are going to learn, especially in the beginning. What you're actually going to do is transition your body, your head and shoulders and torso over the bar and then the, you know, the hands and arms will follow. So I really like that cue. Um, you know, the fast setup is a great cue. Uh, another thing I say, which is essentially the same thing is imagine there is a sheet of glass over top of the pull-up bar. So there's a sheet of glass running right across the pull-up bar. It's an invisible sheet of glass. You got to ram your head, break the glass with your forehead as you go to transition. 
Uh, and a lot of like, that's the level of aggression I want some people to take when they're trying to get over the bar. Cause a lot of people, they just pull and then they're like, okay, this is the point where I would like to be over the bar now. And they just kind of stay behind it. But the fast sit up or, or smashing your head through a sheet of glass, or I've had some people where it's like, I'm wearing a hat. I try to throw my hat off. There's a bunch of different cues, but all of them essentially say the same thing. We need to drive our head and shoulders up and over the bar, and then that will pull us over the bar. Um, so that's, that's really good. I like that. Yeah. For me, it was always, you know, I was trying to bring my hips to the bar. So as I'm doing that kip, when I'm coming back through, I'm my feet are, you know, my legs are parallel to the ground. Right. So I'm trying to, I'm visualizing, can I touch my hips to the bar without going over the bar? So I'm getting my hips as high as possible. And what clicked for me is at that point, you're no longer pulling yourself to the bar. You're actually pushing yourself away from the bar in order to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Because, and again, it's all timing. And then once I could see my feet, like once I get parallel and I could see them, that was my cue, throw your head. And I would flip it over and all of a sudden I was going over the bar and then I was realizing, I'm not really pulling up over this thing. Like, and you can, that what was interesting to me is I could do more bar muscle ups than I thought I could because they weren't, they weren't any more exhausting than pull-ups. They're just far more aggressive. Right. It's just uh, a wider, it's like a wider angle. Like the way I always describe it is you're, you're with a bar muscle up, you're basically looping yourself around the bar and eventually over top of it. It's not like a ring muscle up where you're pulling yourself through the transition. You're literally like kind of looping around the bar rather than pulling through. And that's why they're, they're two very different muscle ups. There's a lot of people who can do ring and can't do bar or vice versa. And that's because I truly think they're very different movements. Yeah. Bar muscle ups are fun. I love watching people do them because there's so many variations of the way they do on people that, uh, I watched some guy last night doing them strict and like, I can't even wrap my mind around how somebody can do them strict. It's just like, <laughs> so effortless, you know, but you know, you watch these gymnasts doing them, even they do them different somewhere to your point, they're looping around the bar. Other look like they're just doing a tiny little pull up and all of a sudden they're up over the top. Yeah. You know, just, it's, uh, it's always interesting. I just think the common denominator and all this is you don't want a chicken wing at all. Nope. It's a bad habit to get into very hard to break. If, you start throwing your shoulders and, and hips into it um, lopsided, which eventually is what it turns into. So just focus on focus on perfect practice or darn near close to it and bump up those numbers, bump up the strict pull-ups you can do and the amount of kipping chest of bar pull-ups you can do. If you focus on those two things, and if someone comes to me with 10 or more strict pull-ups, and, you know, eight or more kipping chest of bar unbroken, it's like almost guaranteed I can get them a bar muscle up. So if you're out there listening and you can do that, hit me up in the DM, slide into my DMs on Instagram and I can help. I'm actually looking, I want to, I'm actually like thinking, I want to teach someone tomorrow or within the next, you know, month or so on video and put it on YouTube of me just trying to teach them a bar muscle up like live on video. So do we'll it. see. Well, we can say to Brandy, uh, a is, you know, no, it is not in your head and B, they don't know how to tell you where to break down what was happening. So you're, <laughs> you're right on both counts, I guess. Um, it's fun. hard. I mean, it's uh, with the untrained eye, unless you're someone who coaches bar muscle ups a lot, a lot of people are just like, they'll just throw out a random, you know, tip, like someone told me to do this and it clicked. Um, Brandy, another thing that would be worth doing is like, is film yourself in slow motion you can send it to me on Instagram. 
Um, this is not open for everyone, by the way, because uh, I would get a lot. But like, send, take a video of yourself in slow motion and see if you notice anything. Compare it with another bar muscle up that you know. Like, have a friend hop up and do a couple and film them in slow motion, and then just see where it's different. Like, what you'll probably notice is they're probably pulling a little bit higher. They're probably able to lever with their arms and get their shoulders and head a little bit higher before they pop and try to do the, the fast setup over the bar. And all this comes into play. It'll kind of show you like, what is this specific piece you're missing? I actually coached someone the other day, Liz. Um, I coached her. She has all the prereqs, needs to work on her strength a little bit more, but for whatever re- reason, when the band isn't there, she can't pop her hips, poof, gone. And it is in her head. So it, it is possible that that because when the band's not there, it's in your head. That is a very possible thing because I've seen it firsthand. Um, but the way that we get out of that is by breaking down the individual drills. And the bottom line is if you're stronger, um, you know, show me someone who can do 20 unbroken strict pull-ups. And that is someone who can do a bar muscle up on almost always their first attempt. You know, it's just like there's there's a certain level of strength and kipping efficiency where you can make all the mistakes and still get a bar muscle up. And that's where I try to push a lot of athletes to get to. So I think we just said her coaches suck. I think that's all we said. That was what that was. (laughs) No, I'm sure they're great people. I'm sure. All right. Well, that's all the questions for tonight, Ben. Nice job. I love, I love this. This is fun teaching people and maybe we can. Yeah. I I, I love, I would, I would love to have a podcast listener come to the studio and then we could, we can literally be like scale and bail was featured on the wad prep YouTube channel. I interviewed Billy Bob, Billy Bob, Joe from Instagram and, and taught him something on YouTube. Live. Let him try your orange. You, you can, my um, orange, you can, <laughs> hey, at least I don't say water. Yeah. Well, say water. that. So I, yeah. So I get, we'll have two challenges then for the listeners. Number one, we need somebody to show up in Denver and do the, do the muscle up challenge with you and get it on video. And then the second one is I want to get three questions for the podcast that you don't already have videos created for. So uh, <laughs> I, we need Good listeners luck. to give us some questions that Ben has not thought of before, make them creative. And if you have a funny username, that's even better. Even like better. That. All right, dude. Anything else going on this week? Got any fun plans? Um, Nope. Just a lot of mountain biking. I am actually, so another random thing I've been doing is just asking people on Instagram, what gym they go to and randomly dropping into the class that they go to. So someone messaged me on Instagram and who is it? It is, it is some Hannah. I'm dropping into Hannah, Hannah's gym. And it's, um, a CrossFit gym somewhere in Denver. I don't know. Sign up for the 6 30 AM class. I'm just going to show up and see see what happens. So I'm having fun with that. Just dropping into random places. Well, I'm going to give some shout outs for all my other side projects while we're at, they're not even side, my main projects. I guess this is my side. This is your side gig. Okay. Uh, But kettlebells and cocktails, uh, your girl, Daniel Brandon's coming on. Oh, so I know you're excited about that. I'm very excited about that. We also have Carrie Pierce coming on. Who's been the fittest American woman for like four years running. Amazing. Uh, we've got Dave Kalina, who's the owner of O2, is coming on. I worked out with him last week. He's a great dude, and we're going to make drinks with him with his O2 drinks, so that could be fun. Fantastic. Uh, and then we've got the CrossFit Cowboy himself, uh, Sean Sweeney, is coming Saw on. He's retired. So, yeah, so we got uh, you know kind of a solid group of athletes that are uh, coming up. I, we'll throw Dave in that athlete group, I guess, right? He yeah. seems fit. Yeah, he is. We had a great – we worked out the other night. It was fantastic. 
it was just that was another one where it's like randomly drop into his gym. It's just me and him and the coach. That's it. They had 15 people in the class before and like 12 people in the class after. But when I show up, me and Dave, that's it. <laughs> nice. He's a good dude. And then uh, I'll have another episode uh, of uh, the Alec, Danny, and John podcast with Alex Smith and Danny Spiegel coming out. Nice. And uh, we, we should have already recorded it, but Danny blew us off. So I guess it'll be next week sometime. So, <laughs> there you go. That's what happens when you're you're not famous enough, John. You got to... Got to get on the agendas. I am clearly living in their shadow. There's no, (laughs) absolutely no denying it whatsoever, but it's still fun. So Um, I have a request for everyone listening. If you happen to still be listening, please do us a favor. We love it when people share the podcasts on Instagram. Instagram, I mean, all the places are great, but especially if if you share this with your friends on Instagram by posting it to your story, uh, we always try to give a lot of people shout outs and reshares. So maybe share today's podcast on Instagram and then maybe one thing that you liked about it or one thing that you learned. Um, I, I know I always get podcast suggestions from my friends that way. So if you do like this one and you think it'd be worth some of your friends listening to, please share away. We'd love to see it. Love it. All right, Ben, big fun as always. And uh, for everyone listening, thanks for joining us. We will be back next Tuesday and we'll chat with you guys soon. Big fun. Bye.